You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. But I am excited, as I was saying. I'm, I'm kind of wound up, you know. I really am. Because what I'm going to share with you today uh, is I'm excited today because what I'm going to present to you is an absolutely life-changing message. It's a life-changing message uh, if, if, if we can get it to our hearts. That's what I want to try to present today. Grasping the principle that's presented in God's Word today um, will bring about success and power in your life. And, and when I talk about success, God measures success differently uh, than, we, than the world often does. Uh, when I talk about success, I'm not saying that you'll be uh, healthy and wealthy and start flying your own private jet to church or anything like that. Uh, but I believe success is fulfilling God's will for our lives. I believe success is living with uh, joy and victory. Success involves uh, not the things necessarily that money can buy, but the things that money can't buy. Amen. When we talk about success. But I'm telling you, this will bring power and success in your life. And, and it starts with some of these very key principles. God created you with a purpose in mind. God put you on this earth for a reason. From the time you were in your mother's womb, you were crafted there, the Bible says. And He had a plan and He had a purpose for your life. And uh, the, the plan He has for you is a good, a great, and truly a glorious purpose for your life. But in order to do that, we must first learn to surrender to His will and to His wisdom. And if you're here today and you've not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm glad that I can assure you based on the authority of God's Word that it is the will of God for you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and know Him as your Lord and your Savior. To have your sins forgiven. I'm not talking about trying religion or just joining a church, but I'm talking about having a personal relationship with the God that created you. Uh, you can be saved and you can know Him today. And that is truly the will of God. Now, if you'll look with me at the first two verses of Romans chapter number 12, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I beseech you. That beseech carries the idea of begging. I'm pleading with you. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, please, will you hear what I'm admonishing you? I, and and I'm, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about this verse and what this is introducing. For one thing, this introduces a very practical part of the book of Romans. We've been in a very uh, doctrinal, theological section throughout the book of Romans. And it begins with by saying, I beseech you, therefore. Now it's going into a practical application uh, of what he's teaching. See, it does no good to learn a lot if it's not going to affect the way you live your life. Amen. And what, God, what we learn, God wants it to make a difference in our lives. And notice he says this in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore. And one of the great principles that many of you know is this, that if you ever come across a therefore in the Bible, always find out what? 
What it's there for. Amen. What it's there for. Because he's saying, therefore. Therefore what? On the basis of these things that we've talked about. On the basis of the great redemption and justification and glorification. And all this greatness that God has promised in terms of salvation. And even uh, last week we talked about the, the restoration of Israel. I mostly talked about the return of Israel. The restoration of Israel is still yet future. But we see the start of that in the return of Israel. But on the basis of all these things. I'm begging you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. We're coming up on Christmas. I like to think about this verse a lot of times around Christmas because it, the word is present, but you know, you could, you could pronounce that word a little bit differently and I believe have the same meaning. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present. <laughs> that you present your bodies. Amen. That you give yourself over and you say, Lord, here am I. Lord, I surrender myself to you. Uh, I so there's the, uh, the, the presenting. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. The Lord is not asking you to die for Him. He wants you to live. And He wants you to live for Him. And the reason I said trusting God's wisdom and trusting God's word and learning to do that is to understand that the God that made you, the God that created you, the God that put you here today, and the God that placed you wherever you may be in your life with, with whatever strengths, whatever weaknesses, whatever gifts you may have, He created you with a specific purpose in mind. And if you can just trust Him to say, okay, Lord, I will trust you. That's what he's trying to encourage here. Now that's a, that's a challenge, amen? Uh, but, but when you look into verse number 2, this I'm going to mostly deal with verse number 2. I'll say a thing or two about verse number 1 because to me, before we can really get to verse number 1, there's some things in verse number 2 that we need to have. And the Bible says, And be not conformed. Be not conformed. Underline or circle that word conformed to this world, but be ye transformed transformed. I mean, you should mark that word. Uh, transformed. How can we be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. In other words, in order to find out what God has for you, you must first have your mind transformed. You must first have some renewing take place in your mind. And we're going to look at that all in just a little bit. There's three, there's several crucial features that we, we're going to look at through these verses. But folks, our bodies need to be presented. Our minds need to be transformed. And when he talks about proving the perfect will of God, that just means to literally to put to the test. In other words, I promise you one thing on the authority of God's Word, that the plan that God has for your life is greater uh, by far than any plan that you could ever imagine for your life. You may have a plan for your life, but if that's not God's plan for your life, I'll promise you today that God's got the plan that, listen, it's a better plan. It's a plan that you'll be more joyful in. I believe the devil's got a plan for you. Amen? I mean, I believe the world has a plan for you, but God has a plan for you. And if you will follow His plan, if you can trust Him today, uh, you can uh, find out what that is. And, and I'll say just a couple things about verse number 1. He, we, we are begged in this first verse to present our bodies. Before we trusted Christ, Christ, we used our body for sinful pleasures and purposes. But now that we belong to Him, we want to use our body for His glory. The Bible says that the body of the child of God is the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. 
Thank God for this place to meet. But, and, and I mean, what a blessing to have this place set aside to worship the Lord. But you know what the fact of the matter is? When you look around, the people are the church. Amen? And it's not about a, a physical building. It's about the people. Each believer, the Bible says, is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, because the Spirit of God dwells within every child of God. And it's our privilege to glorify Christ in our body and to magnify Christ in our body. Just as Jesus Christ. You ever thought about this? The Lord Jesus Christ had to come take on a body in order to fulfill the will of the Father. And God has given us a body in order to, to fulfill the will of the Lord here on this earth today. And so, but we must be willing to yield ourselves. You understand one thing about this. He's begging. He's beseeching. He's saying, I wish you could trust God enough to say, here, here am I, Lord. Send me. See, and the thing with the Lord that He wants us to trust Him, He wants us to trust Him with no strings attached. See, many of us would be a lot more comfortable if we say, okay, Lord, uh, I'll do what you want me to do. Exactly what is it, though, before I really agree? But we've got to be willing to trust Him that says, you know what, Lord, whatever it is, I know I can trust You with it. And, uh, and so uh, that's what He's trying to encourage here. And that's why the part I want to emphasize today to help us present more effectively is this. Again, verse number 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. The battlefield that we face today, beloved, is in the corridors of our minds. That's socially as well as spiritually. There is a, there, there is a, uh, there's an ideology in this world today that there's, there's a scripture ideology and then there's an anti-God ideology that we're fighting. We're in a war of ideas. You, why are people doing the things they do in this world, whether it be good or whether it be evil? It's because of their minds. It's because of the way they think about those things. Uh, so this is not only a spiritual message, this is also a social message because we don't separate the two. We, we don't come into this church and keep our spirituality here. If we're saved by God's grace, we are Christians. We, we, we live the life that we've been taught. And that's the way we do because we've been taught uh, what the, we've learned the truth of what God's word says. And so uh, th th there are numerous consequences in our education in America move, moving away from its biblical foundations. I wish you would go to the throughout the 1800s, early 1700s, or throughout the 1700s, 1800s, into the very early 1900s, I wish you would go and just look at some of the subjects. Look up some of the math problems. Look at some of, I mean, man, there's a reason why it was a common thing when people were 12, 13 years old to be going off to college. Uh, they, they, the, the learning was amazing, the things that they were learning. But you want to know why? It was all biblically based. It was all biblically based. But of the many consequences about moving from our, uh, our biblical foundations in education, one of those, not the least of these, is the philosophy of teaching people what to think. See, we're not to teach people what to think. We're supposed to teach people to think. But our students are no longer being taught to think. They're being taught what to think. And there's a difference. There's a major difference in that philosophy. And so uh, many people go through this life with troubled minds, with no peace. The prescription from the great physician is found in the Word of God today. 
Folks, I'm telling you, there is victory that awaits us, but it's going to start in our minds, in our thinking. He has help for us in the battle. I've got, it, I've got good news for you today. There, there, is, there are reinforcements. There are promises for you as a child of God to where you can have victory in your thought life. Because here's the way it goes. What you think affects the way you feel. How you feel affects what you do. And so as we consider that simple principle this morning, God has reinforcements for us. There's renewal for us. We can win the battle of the mind this morning. Some of you maybe feel dominated by your thoughts, by your doubts, by your fears, by your uh, by just things that seem to be running rampant in your mind. And what I'm telling you today is God says there is a solution for that. Um, and so as we think about this, we, we can win the battle of life if we first win the battle of the mind. Whatever battle you may be facing in your life right now, I promise you the source of it and the start of it is with your thinking, with your mind. Every temptation we ever face must first go through our minds. Uh, we hear... And then if we're not careful, we listen oftentimes to lies. And then we ponder those lies. And all of a sudden, we become a defeated people. You may be here today and you're not saved by God's grace. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You know why? Maybe you've allowed false thoughts to enter into your mind about what it means to be a Christian or what it means to be saved. And I want to challenge you, to challenge you today to listen to the truth of what it really means to know Christ as Savior. It's not about your works. It's not about your performance. It's not about, uh, it's, it's not about just trying to become some churchy religious person. No, it's about a relationship, hallelujah, with the Lord, amen. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. Uh, it is so worth it today. Uh, but uh, we, we listen to these lies if we're not careful. A lot of the pro we face we face uh, problems because of suspicion, because of doubt. We vocalize. It's a it's a sad thing to think about. But what happens if we're not careful? Even God's people, we will vocalize that which Satan has whispered to our hearts and our minds. How do we know we're doing that? We know we're doing that when we are speaking and uh, thinking contrary to the truth of God's word, to the truth of the word of God. There's an example of this in Matthew 16, verse 21. The Bible says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that He must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took Him and began to rebuke Him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Simon Peter was a great man of God. He was a great man. But you know what? He even allowed the thoughts of Satan to enter into his mind and then he vocalized them. Satan was the one who wanted to discourage Jesus from going to the cross. And so Peter says, no, no, Lord, don't go to the cross. Don't let that be you. So if you're not careful, you can become a saint in Satan's service. And you abuse and beat up yourself or you abuse and beat up others with your words, your actions or whatever it may be. Or you, maybe you do a little bit of both. 
But if we would only recognize the avenue of Satan's attacks. And as I wrote that the other day, I thought about that. The avenue of Satan's attacks. We use that terminology. Avenue is, is an interesting word. It originally meant approach. But we call streets avenues. We call streets a route that is taken so frequently that it's paved, named, and designated for the purpose of travel. And you want to know something about Satan? He's coming up the same old street every time. Amen? And we just fail to recognize it. We fail to recognize it when we doubt. We fail to recognize it when we begin to, when, when we don't want to forgive. We fail to recognize it when we, when we begin to think poorly of ourselves and down on ourselves and down on others. We begin to uh, entertain those thoughts. He's coming up the same old avenue every time. See, the dividing line between surrender and service, between success and slackness is hinged on whether or not we're renewing our minds. Folks, our public failures are the direct result of our failure, of a failure that first took place in the mind. Whether that's over a period of days, weeks, months, or even years. In just a moment, you can turn over there if you'd like to. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. We're going to look at some verses over there. But while you're turning there, what the Bible warns about there is He tells us that there's certain thought processes and certain thoughts that we've allowed to get into our mind. Some of these go back from the time that we were just small kids. And the Bible calls these strongholds. Fortresses. Fortresses. Things that are built up in our minds that the enemy uses against us. You say, well, wait just a second. I'm a Christian. I'm saved by the grace of God. The Spirit of God has moved in to my spirit, right into my soul. Yes, He has. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean that everything that, that the strongholds that have been built up in your mind over a period of years go away. Or else God will not tell us to tear them down, as we'll see here in just a moment. Uh, and so a renewal, the, our public failures are the direct result of a failure that first took place in the mind. The pathway to victory is learning scripturally how to get a grasp on our thoughts for the glory of God. Listen to me today. You can be victorious. You can be a success. God's principles for the victory of the mind are found right here in the Bible. And I want to share as, as much of this as I can with you in the time that we have this morning. Now we think about it, the mind. The definition of mind is this, the seat of reflective consciousness comprising the faculties of perception and understanding. So how we perceive things, how we understand things, how we reflect upon things, and those of feeling, judging, and determining. Uh, the, the Greek word nuos includes will in its meaning. Where the words used in the Bible, the will, the mind is connected with the will. Uh, there's another word that means a thinking through or over. A meditation, reflecting, and it signifies the faculty of knowing, understanding, or moral reflection. Also, imagination. 
We know what our mind is, but sometimes it's good to be reminded of what it is. It's, a, it's the things that we think about, the things that we ponder. It's our imaginations, the, the images. And, and remember when we talk about imaginations, we're not talking about, boy, that kid's got a good imagination. The, the, the root word of imagination is images. Do you ever get images in your mind that aren't good images? Uh, I mean, listen, the Bible talks about that. That's taking place in the mind, the meditation. Now notice this, what the Bible says again in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I want to tell you something. This is an awesome thing. But that word transformed right there, we get a very, a somewhat familiar word to many of us. We get from the Greek word for the word transformed. And you know what it is? It's the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. So he's saying, by the metamorphosis of your mind is how you're going to get a hold of these principles for your life. How you're going to be willing to surrender your life to God and how you're going to lay hold on this life that God has for you. This blessed life, this eternal life, and this abundant life. Not a, not a life free from problems, not a life free from failure, not a life free from any of that, but it's still an abundant life and it's still an eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Transformed. Metamorphosis. This word is used when it talks about Jesus being transfigured. Matthew 17 verse 2. And He was transfigured before them and His face did shine as the sun and His raiment was white as the light. So it's the same word, transfigured, transformed, metamorphosis. It's also used in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. The Bible says, But we all, with open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. Metamorphosis. Into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Like a caterpillar. A caterpillar goes through metamorphosis. Uh, a, a, a tadpole goes through metamorphosis and the child of God should go through metamorphosis. Folks, a caterpillar is changed so remarkably that it can't be recognized anymore. You don't say, is that the caterpillar that was crawling on the tree the other day? No, you don't recognize it at all. There, it just doesn't even bear the, the resemblance anymore. It is the change that the Holy Spirit wishes to work in the lives of believers. I mean, that's what God wants to do for us. And we may physically look the same, but folks, there ought to be something about our lives to where we say, man, you don't look nothing like you used to look. In other words, your life, your attitudes don't look the way they used to look. Man, you've been changed. And I want to tell you something. What true salvation is about is this. It's not about you trying to change. It's about God changing you. And folks, I can tell you today when I said I'm excited about this because I'm telling you some things that have changed my life. I'm telling you that I wouldn't be here today without these principles. Uh, I'm not a great guy. I'm just a sinner that's been saved by God's grace. Amen. I'm just a little caterpillar, amen, that the Holy Ghost has come inside and done something in. Amen. And listen, I'm, I want to tell you something. He's not through with me yet. Just in case you were concerned. Amen. This is not the finished product. He's still working on me. But one, one thing I can tell you, folks, is this. Is that I am not what I used to be. Amen. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, listen. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not the person I used to be. Now, that's still there. I still have that old nature. But I'm telling you, the life that God has allowed me to live for these 20-something years, I mean, listen, has been wonderful. Amen. And now, I'm older than 20. I'm not trying to lie. Amen. I'm saying 20-something years since I've, been, since I've known the Lord. 
Amen. So it's, it's, it's been awesome. Why? Not because of, oh man, I've changed. I've reformed. I mean, I, I did it. I kicked drugs. I kicked this habit and I kicked that habit. No, sir. I was just an old sinner. I came bankrupt to a Savior that loved me. And I said, dear God, I'm a sinner. I bring nothing in my hands. I bring simply to thy cross I cling. God, forgive me of my sins. Save my soul. And glory to God, when that happened, the Holy Spirit of God moved on the inside and He made a change in my life. And I'm not what I used to be. Now for some of you, I'll tell this, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I ought to be by no means. But I'm not what I used to be, that's for sure. Man, I thank God. Because I'm t- I, I knew me. I knew me because I still know me because I still know that's there. But I look and I thank God, thank you. Listen, I, I've shared this with you before, but through the years that I've been preaching, man, I have known, I, I don't even know the numbers of preachers that I've known that have fallen into sin of some sort or the other. I mean, it's a regular occurrence. People that I've known personally that have fallen into some great sin. And every time it happens, you know what I think? My goodness, I've told you this before. My heart drops and sinks because I think, man, they were a lot better person than me. He was a better man than I am. And he fell. And so you know what I do? Lord Jesus, help me. I just depend on Him. It ain't my strength. It's not who I am. It's who He is. Amen. And it's the work that He's done in my life. I can't even believe I'm standing here today. I mean, uh, believe it or not, I'm actually trying to act kind of cool this morning. Uh, doesn't work too well. But as I look around here today, when I, when, when I look at what the Lord is doing in this church, when I look at what He's, that, that, what he's continuing to do, and, and, and I can just see what God's going to continue to do in, in, through this church, I mean, not only just in a tri-state area, but I mean, I'm just making a, a difference in the world. My mind is blown. I can't believe it. You know why? Because I know what I was. And really, who I still am in my old nature. But I'm telling you, anything God's done through me, it's Him. And I don't want to sound like I'm bragging or nothing. Maybe I do, but I want you to understand what I'm bragging about. I'm bragging about Jesus. Amen? I'm not bragging about me. Because I'm just going to say this, I don't recognize myself half the time. Amen? I don't. Because I look and I'm like, how's God doing this? How's the Lord using me? How can I stand up to preach? How can I, how, how can I uh, try to be a, a halfway decent husband and dad? And it's just like, that, 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 that was not destined for that. Oh, my friend, I'm telling you, you just, it, it's, it's scary to think about where I'd be had it not been for God's grace. But I'm trying to say that just like a caterpillar has changed, that it's unrecognizable. But he must, if God's going to change us that way, he must have control of the body and free access to the mind. Uh, this same glory was seen in the face of Moses. Uh, Exodus 34, verse 29, the Bible says, And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of the testimony in his hand, his hand he, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses wist not that his, the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. The Holy Spirit to, desires to etch the likeness of the Lord Jesus into our characters. So that this might be reflected in our faces and in our lives down below. The Holy Spirit wants to do such a work on the inside of us that people see the Lord Jesus Christ. That people see the Word of God. And let me tell you something. I mentioned this, I think, on Wednesday. A lot of times that does include our faults and failures. Because we sure have them. 
But you know what it does? It still shows the grace of God because again, God can use somebody like me. Amen. God can use somebody like you. He's such a good God. And so, uh, so transformed. I mean, the changing, uh, transformed carries the idea of changing the outward by what's on the inside. See, we don't need to be conformed. We don't need to be conformed to this world as we'll see in just a moment. But you know what? A lot of times, a lot of times churches are in the conforming business. Did you know that? They're not in the transforming business. They're in the conforming business. They don't have time to allow God to do a work in people's lives to see them transform. No, 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 no. They need to conform right away. Everybody needs to look like me. Everybody needs to talk like me. Everybody needs to, you know, just, just like, no. It's not about being like me. It's about being like Jesus. Amen? It's not about being like the other people in the church. God has saved you, called you, created you to be who you are and to use you for a specific purpose. Amen. He wants to transform you. Uh, amen. Not that you'll be conformed. So it, it, there, there's another side of that that's often missed. Uh, but the same Holy Spirit who anointed Christ for service and caused His glory to be manifested outwardly is the same Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And He also wants to be to work through our lives. And that's what it means to be Christ-like. Now the world tries to change our minds. How are we conformed to the world? The world tries to change our minds. What's the world anyway? The world is just simply, we're not talking about the earth. We're not even talking about the people of the earth. What we're talking about is a, a system. A system that works against God is called the world in this, in this instance. The world tries to change our mind so it exerts pressure from without. Tries to change our mind from pressures from without. Whether that be problems and trials, what makes you doubt God? Well, I'm going through a difficult time. Things aren't so great right now. I'm not so great right now. Pressures from without. Man, we live in a time, when you talk about fascism. You pay your real close attention to this. You will find, and you will find it repeatedly, it's a principle that goes all the way, all the way back to the Bolsheviks and earlier in the Communist Re Revolution that uh, the, the Nazis, uh, wherever which way you look at it, is that what, the things they accuse of others, the others of are the things they're guilty of themselves. The people out here that are not allowing anybody to, that if anybody dissents from the things that they've already uh, said is right, if anybody disagrees with that, they're going to stand out and protest. They're going to throw things at them. They will not let them speak. Because they're fascist. The person speaking is fascist. That's what they say. Wait a second. That's not a fascist person. That person that's speaking about the Word of God and about the tr traditional values of the Word of God, guess what? They, are will they, they allow you to have your dissenting uh, uh, you know, point or argument. We can have a discussion about it. But fascist, no discussion. And I'm telling you, it is, is, it is an active and it's an accepted thing in our world today. It's in our universities. It's getting into other schools as well. Just look up here. It, it, it's, 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 it's getting everywhere and it's this. They, they believe free speech unless it's quote unquote hate speech. Now true hate speech should be condemned. But just disagreeing with someone isn't hate speech. Amen? But that's the world we live in today. There's an absolutely all-out assault on the freedom of speech because of fascism. You are not allowed to think differently than the way that we think. That's the world that we live in today. But So the world puts pressure on the outside, but the Holy Spirit changes our minds by releasing power from within. If the world controls your thinking, you are, you are a conformer. 
If God controls your thinking, guess what you are, Bowen? A transformer. Amen. I knew you'd get that one. Amen. You are either a conformer or you are a transformer. Amen. And I guess I got just enough nerd in me to where I can just hear the, the change. You know what change is. Anyway. Uh, the heart was transformed at the time of salvation when spiritual birth took place in the past. However, the renewal of the mind is progressive and it transformed the believer from the inside out. It's a working out through the life what's taken place in the heart. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. In other words, being transformed is working out that which God has worked in us. This transformation is already worked in us by Christ's presence and needs to be brought out so that it will be manifested to others. You have been changed if you're saved, but that the, the transformation is when we allow it to become out of our lives by believing what God says, allowing our minds to get a hold of that. The renewing of your mind. I like that word, renewing. This means a transformation, a gradual conforming, restoration. The mind activates the will, which produces action. If the mind is transformed, then there will be a difference in our actions that come from the mind. To change our actions, we must change our thinking. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The Bible goes on in Philippians chapter 4 to say, Think on these things. You can control what you think about. You know, you want to know something? You have, we have all been blessed in this regard. We can only think one thought at a time. If the thought that you're thinking does not bring glory to God, if the thought that you're thinking is not true and honorable and virtuous, folks, quit thinking it. Stop it. There's an old saying that some of you may remember. Some, somebody would say, perish the thought. I mean, listen, and I'm not going to be able to tell you all about this today, but I'll say more about that at another time. But the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as he thinketh in his heart, so in he, so is he. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to close with these verses. I told you to turn to 2 Corinthians 10. I'll try to close with these verses. I'll have more to say about this at a, uh, perhaps next week. Because I'm just trying to give you this principle. And what I hope it will do is you know what I'm trying to do? I'm not trying to tell you how to think, I'm trying to encourage you to think. And I'm trying to encourage you to get into these verses. And that's one of the great things about truth. If I'm really proclaiming truth, truth stands up to scrutiny. That's why, we, that's why somebody can disagree with me and it's just fine. Amen? We can still be friends, right? Uh, because we're not fascist. Amen? We're not groupthink. That's what fascism, the word carries the idea. We all got to think the exact same thing. No, we just need to think, man. Use your brain. Quit being taught. And I'm not going down that road again, but I'm telling you, there's a lot that needs to be said about that at a, maybe at a later time. But notice this real quickly. 2 Corinthians 10. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 3. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare... Now this is warfare, folks. 
This is absolute warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which just simply means of the flesh, of our own energy, of our own power. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, when the Bible says by the renewing of your mind, some of you guys can identify with that word renewing. You know what it means? Renovation. Renovation. Tearing down. Any of y'all watch any of those home improvement shows and stuff? I got to watch some of them with my wife sometimes. And uh, man, they come in there. And when it comes time to renovate, man, they got the big hammers out and they're just knocking stuff down, man. They're tearing it up. They're busting it. They're tossing it out in the dumpster. They're renovating. The problem with most, most Christians, the problem with most people is that they have strongholds that have never been renovated in their minds. There's people that have been abused whether sexually or emotionally or physically. And I'm telling you, you carry scars, you carry strongholds, you carry unforgiveness. They're strongholds. And you've been told you just have to learn to live with it. But you don't. You can get victory in these things. I mean, there, there, there's kids that have been told, you know, you know, how stupid they are, how dumb they are, how worthless they are. And there's people that believe that. And that you still believe it to this day. You still believe that you're ugly. You still believe that you're not acceptable. You still believe all these lies. They're strongholds. See, but God's Word says the renewing of our mind, buddy, we need to go and start breaking some stuff down. What do you think about yourself? If it don't line up with God's Word, break it down and throw it out in the dumpster. Amen. 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 What have you been told? If what you've been told doesn't line up with the truth of God's Word, break it down. Bust it down. You don't even have to be gentle with it. It's out of here. Dear God, I don't want to think this no more. This isn't true. I'm not a loser. I'm a conqueror. You said so. I'm not alone. You said you'd be with me always. That's a lie. I've been said I've been I'm a reject. But Lord, you said I'm accepted in the beloved. Amen. That's the truth. That's what I'm going with. You, you I think and I get in my mind, I'm going to hold this grudge over this person. And I'm going to hold this sin against this person. But God, you've told me if I forgive, that Lord, you will free me. Amen. Forgiveness is, is forgiving a debt that sets the, 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 the person sets you free. Amen? And so here's the thing. By God's grace, break it down. That's what renewing is. And then quickly, this renovation that kind of tells us how to do this. To the pulling down of strongholds, for though we, I'm sorry, verse number five, casting down. Here we are again. We're casting down. What are we casting down? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. I won't, I, won't, I won't spend much time on this, but I'll say a couple of these things. You need to learn to define the influence of your mind. Sometimes, brother, we have things cross our minds we don't know where it comes from. Like, what in the world? But other times, we've got to be honest. What the heck are you watching? What kind of garbage are you listening to? What kind of conversations are you engaging in? And then don't come and say, where did that thought come from? Well, you know where it came from. 
Amen. And you need to define the influence of the mind. But even when you try to define the influence of the mind and say, you know what, that's not anything that I, that I want to be influenced by because the things that come into our minds, you know how they get there? Through our eyes, through our ears. And so, again, just mentioning these quickly, but there's other things that come into our minds just out of nowhere. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, if it goes against the knowledge of God, by the way, you know how we're going to know what, God, what the knowledge of God... The knowledge of God is the truth of God's Word. Child of God, get in it. Amen. Learn it. Yeah. Know it. Please. You know what? Please bring something to write with to church. Write a verse down. Mark a verse. Amen. I mean, just I mean, go, go, go read it again. Memorize it. You know why? Because when the devil comes and when these thoughts come into your mind, you'll have something to war with. Did you know the Bible is called the sword of the Spirit? I mean, it's not just here. It's in your own personal devotions. It's wherever you are. Learn the Word of God. And that way, when you, when you begin to entertain... Some, of you, some people don't even know the thoughts they're thinking are that wrong. Yeah. But when you begin to get in the Word of God, you're saying, wait a second. I don't have to think like that. I don't have to give in to this temptation. I don't have to be this person that I was told I, that I'm going to be. I don't have to be like this because my mom and my grandma were like this. Yeah. I don't have to be like this because my daddy was this way. I mean, on and on we go. Uh, but, but, but then it goes on to say this. Look, notice this. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And notice this. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We, as thoughts go through our mind, we need to evaluate those thoughts. We need to run our thoughts through the filter of God's Word. What are we thinking? We need to pour it right through this sift right here. And whatever, and, and whatever garbage is caught just needs to be thrown out. It's not right. I don't have to believe that. I can, I can be the man of God that God would have me to be. I can be the husband that God would have me to be. I can, uh, you, you can be the wife. You can be the young person. You can be the student. You can be the man, the woman, the boy, the girl that God made you to be. There is victory. There is success. Amen. But I'm telling you, it starts by getting a grasp. Amen. Of what God says. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't be a conformer. Be a transformer. Amen. How are we going to do that? With a total mind renovation. I don't have time to preach about it right now but as you stand, but we need to tear stuff out. Tearing stuff out is not the, that's not the end of the renovation though, is it? You got to put some stuff back. Amen? Put some stuff back. And I'm telling you, you can begin to build some healthy models in your thinking. Some healthy images in your thinking. And I challenge you today. Maybe you're struggling. You know, why are we often encouraged about the things that we intake, whether it be through our eyes or through our ears? Because it's going to change the way we think. And the way you think is going to affect the way you feel. And the way you feel is going to affect what you do. You can only think one thought at a time. If that thought does not line up with the truth of Christ, it needs to be held captive. It needs to be taken away. It needs to be tore down. If you're here today and you're not saved by the grace of God, you've got, it, you've got whatever it is that you've got in your mind that you're going to do it later. Maybe you've got in your mind, man, I can't be a Christian. I can't be saved. Maybe you've got in your mind, oh, I'm okay. I think I'm good. I believe in God. Well, so does, so does Satan. And folks, his destination is the lake of fire. 
And that's, exa- that's the destination of anyone who does not accept Christ and the free gift of salvation. It's not just a, 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 an acknowledgement that there's a God. It's a trusting, it's a believing and putting your faith on what He did on the cross of Calvary and rising again the third day. You can have victory. The Lord brought a dear woman into my ministry years ago by the name of Virginia. Virginia was in her mid to late 70s at this time. She may have been in her early 80s. And she was a real matter of fact, kind of straightforward kind of woman. Not a very emotional woman, just very... uh... But I remember teaching and preaching along the lines that I preached this morning. On On the way out of the church, it was such a blessing. She said, Pastor, I want to thank you. And I want to thank the Lord. She said, because I've had a stronghold in my heart and in my mind since I was a little girl. And it had to do with her mom. Her mom being uh, verbally abusive. And she had held that against her mom all those years. But she said, tonight I forgave her. Tonight I tore down that wall. Ain't that something? She had lived some 60, close to 70 years with this stronghold in her mind. That was so such a blessing. But you know what I think? What if she could have got that settled a lot earlier? So we have strongholds, I'm telling you. What if we could see the spiritual realm tonight? What if we could get a glimpse into our minds tonight? I wonder what it would look like. Listen, it's not about trying to put on and try to be some super Christian that don't have any problems or don't have... Folks, we just need to be honest. Because you know what you're looking at today? You look around, you're going to see a bunch of people that are just a bunch of sinners saved by grace that are just trying to let God do a work in their lives. Life, amen. You're looking at a bunch of people that have, got, had, that have, that have gotten have had strongholds in their life that we're trying to get victory over. We've got victory over some, but I'm telling you, we still got some we might be working on. And the devil likes to hide in those secret fortresses, amen, so to speak, and torment our lives. Would you be set free today? Would you be set free? I appreciate your patience. I'm going to say this one last thing and then we'll pray. I had on later in my notes, again, this is more than one Sunday worth of preaching, but... I had about Stockholm Syndrome. In 1973, there was a bank in Stockholm, Sweden uh, that it was a botched bank robbery. The, 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 the robbers ended up holding the, the employees of the bank hostage for six days. It was a terrible ordeal. But there's a crazy psychological principle that takes place that when people are being held captive, it happens in kidnappings and other things, people, to, people develop a dependency on their kidnappers, on their tormentors. They, 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 they even develop a defense toward their, their kidnappers. Those that have done them wrong. It's, it's an amazing thing. But I'm telling you, it's a principle. Because you know what? We'll stand in a service like this and we will defend that which is holding us captive. We've lived with it for a long time and we, we develop a dependency on this. And it, it's torturing us. It's hindering us. It's hurting us. But preacher, don't you say a word about it. Don't you say a word about it. Don't, don't try to get me to get over my anxiety. That makes me mad when you do that. I like my anxiety. I like my sin. I like my whatever. You know, it's like, no. You need to recognize it for what it is. Do you want to be set free? God can set you free today if you'll let Him. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, dear Lord, for Your faithfulness and Your goodness. I thank You for a patient people, God, to listen to a rather lengthy sermon this morning.
But I pray, God, that it will be more than just a sermon, but that it will be a message, God, that will get through to hearts today and to minds. Lord, there's no one here today, God. There's no one here today that you're not trying to speak to from the very youngest to the very oldest. God, I pray that you'll help us, dear God. Help us also, help us to help our children and our grandchildren. Help us to understand the influences that they have in this, in this generation. Help us to help them, dear God, to be thinkers, not just conformers. Lord, we thank you for, you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your transforming power. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.